the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I see my name in shiny lights. Yeah. A different city every night. Oh, I, I swear. The world better prepare for when I'm a billionaire. It's time to get down to business on the weekend's number one business program. Known as the king of networking, your host, Shalom Klein, has worked with thousands of entrepreneurs and created countless jobs. So, to success, let's get down to business. And indeed, we are all about small business, jobs, and entrepreneurship and business. We talk a lot about business here. You're on with Get Down to Business, and I'm your host, Shalom Klein. Remember, you can always download podcasts from Get Down to Business on my website, at ShalomKlein.com. And while you are there, don't forget to follow me on Twitter, at ShalomKlein. It's going to be a jam-packed week of content and information you will not want to miss. It's a live show. You can call into the studio, 312-642-5600, 312-642-5600. And a good reminder to check out our sponsor, our good friends at Tandem HR, Your Solution Center. Check them out online, tandemhr.com, or give them a call, 630-928-0510. So I'm joined here in studio by Tom Day, uh, who is really uh, bringing some fantastic uh, industries, technologists, and, uh, and, and revitalizing the Midwest Rust Belt by, dri- by driving the development of new technologies and new products. Tom, it's actually fascinating and remarkable what you're doing and in, in innovating, bringing a fantastic energy. Welcome to the program. Uh, great to be here, Shalom. Thank you so much. Absolutely. So let's start with the name. Um, yep. It's a unique name, and I know that there's a story behind it. There is. Uh, Invent 2026. So what happens in 2026? America celebrates our 250th birthday, July 4th, 2026. And we got this started last year, 2016. And we mapped out a 10-year strategy for, as you say, reviving the Midwest economy based on applied research, entrepreneurship, new product development from new inventions that we see coming out of applied research labs here in the Midwest. So at a high level... You know, we all want to be the next Silicon Valley here in Chicago and in the Midwest. Okay, great. But how are we going to do that? And we we gathered folks from the University of Chicago, Northwestern, Oregon National Laboratory, University of Illinois, who is one of our initial sponsors, and we asked their leaders of research, how can we drive uh, an innovation economy here in Chicago and the Midwest through your research assets? And, and we mapped out this strategy, and that's what we're doing right now. So... The Midwest, um, it's not typically described as, as a hub for, uh, for technology. You think of Silicon Valley. Why the Midwest? And, and when you talk about an innovation corridor, mm-hmm. what, let's talk practically. What will it look like? What type of companies, what type of individuals, entrepreneurs, are you hoping to attract and, and it, to, to call the Midwest home? So why the Midwest, first of all? Uh, the, why the Midwest is because we have so many assets here in the region. Uh, the, the people, of course, 
um, the, 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 the talent, the, 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 the research universities, the laboratories. Chicago is the only city in America with two national laboratories, Department of Energy laboratories, talking about Argonne and Fermilab. There are a ton of inventions that need to find their way into the market through new ventures. We don't see corporations doing R&D internally the way they used to maybe 10, 20, 30 years ago with Bell Labs and Xerox Labs and others. So it really does fall upon startups to drive new product development. And if Argonne or Northwestern or you know UChicago or any of these research uh, hubs need to find a way to prototype and test and bring their uh, their inventions into the market, it has to come through a startup, and we're trying to engineer these collaborations. What this will look like is, well, you know, it will look like a lot of what we saw in in the Bay Area maybe 60, 70 years ago. So let's tell the story of, of Silicon Valley. After World War II, you saw a ton of federal and defense dollars going into specifically Stanford's engineering program to go design platforms, communications platforms, radar platforms, to go fight the Soviets, okay? And from that emerged an, 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 a local innovation economy where these researchers were then encouraged to go start their own businesses, one of which was Hewlett and Packard. Hewlett and Packard were Stan, uh, engineering students at, at Stanford at the time. It is this, it is connecting the dots that happened in the Bay Area a couple generations ago a similar story could be told in Boston today. That is what we're trying to do here. But what are those dots? The applied research assets, entrepreneurs, hopefully a few listening to your program right now, uh, and you know, public officials, also corporations. We want to drive M&A activity. So instead of entrepreneurs kind of fishing around for very few venture dollars that exist in the, in the Midwest region, we're, we're trying to kind of drive the development of new products and then support corporates to acquire them at the end. So we're chatting with Tom Day, the uh, founder of Invent 2026. Really, really interesting story. But Tom, on your website, you talk a lot about how you are developing the strategy and executing on that strategy to make the to 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 bring this dream and turn it into a reality. What steps need to be taken? You just mentioned uh elected officials and, and, and politicians, what changes need to take place in order to make this happen? So I can speak to the city of Chicago, and, and I will let other cities kind of, you know, we'll, we'll put aside a conversation about other cities. But in the city of Chicago, we have built um, uh, 90 or 80 to 90 incubators, about a million and a half square feet of co-working spaces, and by that I mean kind of these open bay, jazzy um, uh, working spaces where you see a bunch of folks in jeans and T-shirts in their 20s and early 30s running around and building an app, okay? Uh, we argue that 10 years ago there was a real opportunity to drive new uh, software platforms, new mobile applications with relatively little money and scale very quickly, and there was... Uh, just a ton of um, seed capital that flowed toward these mobile apps, you know, in hopes of building, you know, Groupon and hopes of building, uh, you know, all these social platforms that emerged after 
2007. Well, th- that that story was relevant in 2007. It is not relevant in 2007. Mm-hmm. Okay. What will drive innovation economies, we are convinced, in the next 10 years is the development of 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 sectors in the material sciences in particular. And that's great for us in the Midwest. Well, I mentioned, you know, when we got folks that North, from Northwestern, New Chicago, all the research laboratories uh, together a year ago, one of the questions we asked was what sectors, what clusters are, are we competitive in in the Midwest region? And uh, uh, food and ag, we have always been a food and agricultural economy in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, energy, batteries coming out of Argonne, uh, water technology, 80% of the potable water that exists in the North American continent exists you know, in the Midwest region or the Great Lakes region. Uh, and uh, in infrastructure technology, we're told that half the goods that flow by rail and by road flow through, uh, that flow through the United States, flow through the state of Illinois. We're a transportation hub. Uh, my ask of elected officials and leaders of business uh, in Chicago, but but also in the entire region, is instead of doing everything we can to bring a company like Amazon to locate its second headquarters here, we support that. But I mean, let's let's think a little bit more deeply and critically here. Let's build these clusters and think of our region uh, in in terms that uh, we define these clusters and support technology and entrepreneurship in what we are uh, competitive in, and, and that has always been, you know, food and ag, infrastructure, water, and energy. We have the research assets here in the region. We just need kind of a cultural shift and a focus on the part of our elected officials to define and, uh, define and grow these clusters. Fascinating. So uh, it sounds like you have a, a great, uh, clear vision on, uh, on on how Illinois can how Illinois, but Chicago specifically, can uh, can can develop into that, as you said, that that the quarter um, of the, I guess, the Silicon Valley East, uh, right here in the Midwest. Very very interesting. Uh, Tom Day again, the founder of Invent Twenty Twenty Six. Thanks so much for joining us on the program. We are running out of time, and I want to make sure our listeners can find you. I know you've got a lot of information out there. Uh, what's the best way to reach you and find uh, find? Uh, a little bit more information. Absolutely. Invent2026.com and follow us on Twitter at Invent2026. Uh, we'll, we'll have some announcements coming up uh, very shortly about some programmings we'll be launched. And, and if you're an entrepreneur, we need you. Uh, follow us. We're, we're going to have some uh, things to engage you with very shortly. Okay. Well, Tom, thanks so much for joining us on the program. You can download podcasts from Get Down to Business on my website at ShalomKlein.com. And while you are there, don't forget to follow me on Twitter at ShalomKlein. That's where you get a sneak peek of our guests coming up future weeks on the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. As always, check out our sponsors, Tandem HR, your solution center. You can find them online, tandemhr.com. We're giving them a call, 630-928-0510. But speaking of entrepreneurship, don't want to touch that dial because coming up after the break, we've got more tips, advice, and some fantastic guests and some fantastic resources. All about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. You're listening to Get Down to Business. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Get Down to Business. Thrilled to be joined by Rick Smith, the founding partner in Priority Spence Sports and Entertainment. Uh, Rick, welcome to the program. Rick, are you with us? Yes. Oh, fantastic. Thanks for joining us on Get Down to Business. So uh, you have a fascinating business, uh, a true Chicago uh, success story. I believe uh, partners grew up in Highland Park and 
you've really developed a an interesting uh, an interesting operation representing the very very best and top talent in the world of professional sports. Rick, how did it all get started? When did he start Priority Sports and Entertainment? Tell us the story. Yeah, so basically, uh, the Reader's Digest version, because it's a, it's a long, complicated story, but uh, a friend of mine who was a year ahead of me at Holland Park High School and I went to University of Illinois together. Uh, after college, he went to business school at Northwestern. I went to law school at Northwestern. Um, after that, I went into a law firm. He went and into a, for a year into... Uh, the financial world. Um, somebody gave him an opportunity. His name is Mark Bartlestein, a, a very well-known, prominent agent in, in the basketball community. And somebody gave him an opportunity. I was his outside lawyer. And then 1995, um, I, I quit my job as a as a lawyer and went full time into the sports agency world. And we've built it ever since. Fascinating. That's a long story. <laughs> no, that's that's great. So uh, you uh, you moved from the legal world. My understanding is that you still are able to use your uh, your legal knowledge and, and expertise in the world that you're living in. Um, but but primarily, it sounds like uh, you are involved in in reviewing. You're working with your with your clients the, again, the top talent in in sports uh, with many many endorsement deals. I, well, tell us what what a day in the life of Rick Smith is is like. And <laughs> I, if you don't mind, I, I'd like to to push this a little bit harder and and i'm curious what are the greatest challenges in in, in running your business because you've, you've certainly become that success story that we talked about yeah you know um it's funny because you know if you're a kid and you grow up a sports fan where i always tell kids that are coming to talk to me about getting into the sports world that if you lined up all the sports fans i told them if you started in chicago that line you know goes out to california and probably further so it's a very, very, very hard business to get into. You need a whole lot of being in the right place at the right time at the right moment because there's very few of us who actually work in full-time in the industry can make a living doing it and a whole lot of people that that, that want to get in. Um, the challenges day-to-day of, of, of being a sports agent or, or and, and working with professional athletes and, and coaches, which is what I now do, it's you never know. I mean, literally, you, you never know. Uh, I'll give you an example. You know, what it, we walk into the office uh, a couple days ago. You never know what's going to happen when you walk into the office. But, you know, and we, we had just signed a, a player named Gordon Hayward to the Boston Celtics. And six minutes into his first game, and that's well over a $100 million deal, six minutes into his first game, he blows out his ankle in a, in a gruesome fashion. So th- that was a hole to do and trying to figure all that out. And, and then, you know, two minutes later, we find out that on the Chicago Bulls, our client Bobby Portis got into a scuffle with one of his teammates um, at practice, and you know now that that kid uh, has a broken jaw, and it's a mess. So that was one day. Uh, <laughs> fascinating. You know, I mean, it's like you have no idea. So it's just. You're you're in the business of sports, and most people think of uh, of sports as something that they do on a Sunday morning to relax. But you are uh, you're hustling all week long to make sure that people get to uh, get to enjoy that experience. Uh, I, some numbers that uh, that you have listed on your website are are the uh, the billions, I believe, with a B uh, of dollars in contracts that you've negotiated just in the past few years alone. What's the What's the secret to the success? Why 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 Premier Sports as opposed to? I know you have some competitors out there. We won't name many names but but why are you guys better well you know it's 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 priority sports first of all but that's okay oh, sorry um, not premier but anyway um you know i it, it, it's 
it's, I think the way we've approached this thing from the beginning is kind of separates us from our competitors. First of all, we've, we've remained in the, as an independent company for, for the 25-plus years we've been in business. Um, many agencies have been gobbled up by, by very l- large entertainment conglomerates like CAA, Creative Athlete, you know, Artists, um, WME. You know, these are huge Hollywood uh, agencies, but we, we we decided that you know if we were going to basically go into the living room and sell ourselves as guys who are going to do it different, who's going to actually put your career in front of our interests, that we're about the bottom line, that we needed to remain independent. So you know we we we're the guys that make the decision. We don't answer to anybody. There's nobody above us looking at our bottom line. We can constantly make decisions which is in the best interest of our clients as opposed to the best interest of us because, you know, unless they get paid, we don't get paid. It's, a, it's all a commission-based business. So helping many of these folks uh, build their career, but then, uh, but then also working with them on the, on the marketing side, the endorsement deals uh, and the public relations as well. Yeah, no, there's no question. I mean, that's, you know, part of our, you know, the majority of our money comes in, obviously, from the contract revenue. We also have a staff of seven people that are looking for off always day in and day out looking for off-the-court and off-the-field opportunities for our clients. And as far as appearances, television commercials, print ads, shoe company deals, so we have a whole staff of people doing that also. Uh, interesting. So uh, I do a fair amount of, of visiting colleges and universities talking to young professionals in a number of different industries, and uh, I'm frequently asked for career uh, guidance and uh, and. One of the questions that I'm that I'm asked quite regularly are, are are folks, young young adults that are looking to get into the into I guess your line of work into the world of uh, of sports management and sometimes on the media side, sometimes on the on the agency side, all all different uh, angles. What advice do you have for them? Wow, you know it's <laughs> I'll, I'll give you the spiel I give to you know I, I I've always taken the uh, position that you know I was if a young person needed some advice or needed somebody to talk to who's on the inside of the sports business, I would drop what I'm doing and help them out. Plenty of people helped me out through my life. And, and um, what I basically tell them is, is you're, you're looking to literally get into an impossible business. Um, to get into, the, the barriers of entry are, are humongous. You know, everybody's looking for experience and, and you know, how is how are you going to get experience if nobody will give you the chance to get the experience? I mean, that, that's the biggest dilemma that young people face. Um, and you just have to have kind of what I call two, two, parallel, two trains running on parallel tracks, meaning that you, know, you always look out for that, that opportunity that you may have in the sports world, but at the same time, just get yourself into the workforce. You know, develop some kind of expertise in something. Once you develop that expertise, then you can... It, probably a little easier for you to go to that sports organization, whether it's a team, whether it's a union, whether it's an agency, you know, to bring that expertise to them because there's very few of us. I mean, there's probably 15 of us in the country that represent 90% of the players in each league. Um, One of my friends is is the owner of the Chicago Bulls. You know, other than basketball operations people, there's, there's 75 people in that entire organization. So, I mean, you're talking about a huge barrier to entry and a lot of people wanting in. So you just have to hustle and network and build relationships, 
get some expertise in something and then and then try to translate that in, into a sports career. It's it's interesting what you said holds true I think in so many different industries. Uh, everybody wants uh, wants somebody that has the experience but how do you get the experience nobody knows. You're right. It is all about networking. And I guess uh, final question because we are running out of time okay. uh, is uh, uh, for entrepreneurs. Uh, you are running a business. It happens to be you're you're in the business of sports as we mentioned. But what advice do you have for a uh, for a young entrepreneur that's out there just starting their business really regardless of what industry that they're in. Are there any lessons in business that you've discovered in your years in in running uh priority sports that you would pass along to entrepreneurs these days yeah no no question i mean i think that i mean quickly um i, I just gave a talk over at, at the kellogg school of management at northwestern about this you know people use the word networking um I, I like to think of it as relationship building um take the word networking out of your out of your vernacular and put in the words relationship building. You have to build relationships. Networking is a in and out quick thing. Nobody remembers it. Building a relationship is will get you to that next relationship. That gets you that next relationship. That gets you that referral. That gets you moving forward. Build relationships. Don't just have to be an in and out. Nobody remembers you kind of thing. Take the word networking out. Talk about relationships. Think the word relationship. It'll get you a whole long way. Uh, that's great advice, Rick Smith of Priority Sports and Entertainment. Uh, very much appreciate your time. And I know that uh, you have a website, PrioritySports.biz, where folks can learn a lot more about the uh, about the work of your fantastic team and uh, some of the uh, interesting talents that you're very fortunate to represent. But we appreciate your time here on the show. Uh, no problem. Thank you, Shalom. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. I'll right. be for sure to follow the progress. Coming up after the break, we've got more tips, advice, and, and entrepreneurship coming up uh, for you. You can always get on my website, shalomkline.com. So you can download podcasts from Get Down to Business, as well as get a sneak peek of who will be on in the coming weeks. We always have interesting guests, several hundred over the past few years. So check it out. Many great clips, many great podcasts. Be sure to share it with a friend. But we'll be right back after this quick break. Chicago, don't touch the dial. Get down to business. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the show, all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. You're listening to Get Down to Business, and I'm your host, Shalom Klein, and I'm thrilled to be joined by my guest, my good friend, uh, Eden Sirovic, uh, for the executive director of the Westridge Chamber of Commerce. I'm privileged to work with Eden on many levels in promoting the over 1,000 businesses in the Westridge, West Rogers Park area. Well, Eden, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me, Shalom. Great to be here. Absolutely. So uh, to get us started, why don't you, uh, for our listeners that might not be familiar, and I do hope that they'll come and visit and familiarize themselves soon, why don't you uh, share some uh, some of the highlights of what makes West Ridge uh, in Chicago uh, such an awesome, awesome neighborhood for business and for, uh, and for residents? Well, the West Ridge community, as you well know, Shalom, is, a, is an extremely diverse community. And, I'm, and I know a lot of neighborhoods on the north side uh, like to say that and tell that their zip code may be the most diverse in uh, the United States. But truly, in, in, in West Ridge, we can say this. I, in, in our community, we have almost 50% of our uh, people that live in the community are born outside of the United States. Out of, out of the U.S., which I think is a, a fascinating statistics. And with that, um, we have many, many diverse businesses, great food, restaurants, retail establishments, specialty goods stores. And, um, you know, really it's a, it's a place that you can not only shop and get just about anything you want, 
but it's also a great place to open a business because uh, rents are still relatively reasonable if you compare it to some other communities uh, on the north side, like Andersonville and Edgewater's uh, rents have been climbing, and uh, as well as Rogers Park. So, um, Westridge, I would invite anybody who's thinking about opening up a store or a retail establishment or a services uh, provider to certainly look in our West, uh, look to Westridge, and especially look to the Westridge Chamber of Commerce because we can help you along the way with getting permits and licensing and uh, getting you on your feet. No question about it. Um, a fantastic neighborhood. And uh, Eden, uh, you and I have, have spent a lot of time where I'd say we are both foodies. We both enjoy uh, a, a delicious restaurant. Uh, you, you, you touched on this a moment ago, um, but there's many, many different cuisines. I, I, I think it's fair to say that West Ridge is known for uh, for uh, the uh, the areas uh, you, I guess you could call it uh, east of east of California. There's actually a book a book about that uh, for the Indian and the Pakistani neighborhoods, and perhaps west of California for the uh, for the kosher and the and the Jewish market. But the neighborhood is so much more. There's a lot of restaurants and a lot of food options for folks that might mm-hmm. be planning their dining uh, choices for next week. And tell us a little bit about some of those uh, some of those. Uh, spectacular destinations. Well, one place that um, that we visited when we had our restaurant crawl, in the two of which we've had in 2017 already, um, that we had in April is Simmy's, which is a Nigerian restaurant on the 6300 block of uh, Western. And Simmy's was actually recently, I just found out today, was recently featured on Check Please. And so we're certainly going to be promoting that via our bulletin and newsletter and put it out on our social media to give uh, them their due attention because it's a wonderful family-run restaurant, authentic Nigerian food, um, highly recommended, especially if you like spicy food. Um, we also have um, Barbecue Supply Company, which was recently rebranded, renamed, which many people may know it as Rubs Barbecue also on Western Avenue. Um, if you like smoked uh, food, uh, it's also uh, it's a great place to go and I highly recommend it. And uh, for those of you who know Garcia's in Lincoln Square, which is a very popular uh, Mexican restaurant, the owners of Garcia's have opened El Garcia on the far north side of uh, the West Ridge, West Rogers Park community on Western Avenue close to Howard Street. So... Any one of those places, I would highly recommend. Great oh, food. fantastic. And uh, let's talk about some of the other small businesses as well. Um, I Tell us a little bit about the, uh, about the areas that uh, the businesses are located in for our listeners that might not be so familiar with the area. Sure, sure. So um, we have two really major uh, retail corridors. You mentioned uh, Devon Avenue, which is um, you know, uh, very, very diverse stretching in the West Ridge community from Ridge to Kedzie. Um, many, many uh, restaurants, as we've already talked about, um, but also specialty grocers from uh, many different lands, from uh, the Latin countries, the Asian, European grocers as well. Um, we have, uh, for, for the South Indian community, there are many sari shops. I think we have something like uh, a dozen sari stores just along Devon. 
Um, and then Western Avenue is our other major uh, uh, commercial corridor that we have in uh, West Ridge. And there you can you can see it all from at the south end. Uh, Northside Toyota is going to be moving. They're building a building there uh, on, uh, on Glen Lake and Western. So there's everything from car dealerships to the restaurants that we mentioned to service centers as well as uh, car washes and then your sort of run-of-the-mill fast food chains that we we all... uh, Aiden, I've got to squeeze in a very quick break over here. We're going to continue talking about uh, small business uh, and specifically uh, the West Ridge neighborhood. When we come back after this quick break, again, we're chatting with Aiden, the executive director of the West Ridge Chamber of Commerce. We're going to be right back. Very quick break. Uh, A few quick announcements. Thanks. Welcome back. We're chatting with the executive director of the West Ridge Chamber of Commerce, a man that knows quite a bit about what uh, struggles uh, and opportunities the small business community has uh, through your work with the many thousands of businesses that call West Ridge home. Uh, Eden, welcome back to the program. So uh, we've been chatting a lot about the neighborhood in West Ridge, West Rogers Park, some of the businesses. But I want to sort of focus a little bit more globally now uh, in our few minutes remaining to talk about small business in general. The big news this weekend is that Chicago has submitted its application to become the home of Amazon's second headquarters. What does that mean for small businesses? And what are you hearing from small businesses in general, especially the retail businesses that call uh, the Westridge Chamber uh, part of their uh, part of their family? Well, certainly the Amazon news is exciting. I think the, the potential to, to have a uh, second Amazon headquarters in Chicago would would mean a lot, uh, particularly for the small business and entrepreneurs that look at it instead of um, Amazon for what it is in terms of business, but look at the opportunity that 50,000 jobs would bring to the uh, Chicagoland area. Um, businesses are generally excited. I think that, uh, like I said, um, with specialty stores, um, there is some uh, tension and nervousness because a lot of them have been affected by uh, Amazon as its uh, business model. Um, but many of them are becoming uh, or adapting to those changes, and not only are they um, having their retail establishments, but now they're also doubling as fulfillment centers and getting online and selling through Amazon and eBay and other means and directly through their own website. So for the entrepreneurs, they're always going to find an opportunity and with jobs and certainly what it could mean for real estate, I think that there's it could, it could be nothing but positive. Interesting. So I, I like that positive spin you're putting on it. Um, and uh, I know you certainly know what the, uh, what the business community is talking about. Um, but as far as the I guess challenges of of running a retail operation in in 2017, moving on to 2018, uh, is it harder than it's been before? Is it? Are you hearing about business about I, let's call it entrepreneurs, people that are thinking about starting a business and and saying, you know what, I'm going to take the plunge. I'm going to I'm going to lease out a a storefront on Devon on Western in one of these areas and and take a little bit of risk. Or, or are you hearing a little bit more hesitation than you have in the past? Well, there is a hesitation, and I think that one of the challenges that we have in West Ridge is that we are on the um, sort of fringe of the city limits, and meaning that um, 
a lot of these taxes and regulations and, and hidden fees that you're hearing about to keep uh, the budget, the city budget going, are, are actually being um, put on business owners. And I've had conversations with business owners that, that have uh, shown some nervousness about operating in the city, um, particularly when you're so close to the border and then shoppers uh, have the option of just hopping over the border and there's plenty of parking and there's uh, there tends to be lower prices and, and all of that. But um, what we are, are, are trying to pitch in, in Westridge is that you're not going to get as much of the density you're not going to have as much of the mom-and-pop feel uh, as you do in Westridge because there are so many family-owned businesses and stores, and, and there really is a value to that. And I think that the, the small business owners that identify that value and know how to, how to promote it are going to be the ones that are going to be more successful than, than ones that don't see that as, as an opportunity. Great advice. And I know we could spend a, a long time on the, on the next question, but... Uh, Hey, we only actually have about a minute or two remaining. Uh, regarding chambers of commerce in general, um, what resources do chambers, certainly like the Westridge Chamber, but but more globally, uh, provide to small businesses? I know you mentioned sort of a restaurant call, crawl earlier. What What's the advantage to joining a chamber for any small business, I guess, in this country? Mm-hmm. Well, what a chamber really is, in my eyes, in my view, is it's a representative, it represents the business interests of its members. And in Westridge, we even go beyond that. Even if you're not a member, we do have uh, a grant from the city of Chicago, the Neighborhood Business Development Center, and we reach out to businesses, providing them consultation, helping them get license and permits, talking to prospective investors and businesses about getting set up and how to market and how to position themselves amongst the demographics, which can be somewhat complicated in Westridge because of the diversity there. Um, a lot of my job, uh, Shalom, has been to do exactly that, to educate businesses themselves and talk about why should they join, why should they be a part of our organization, and not just to join and pay a yearly due, but also to get actively involved in the organization and, and help direct our, our chamber so that we can better tailor our services so that we can promote and market the businesses that are in the community. Well, small businesses need a voice, and they certainly have that voice uh, with the Westridge Chamber and, and Chambers in general. I echo everything that you said, and I think that that, that shared voice and that advocacy that uh, the Chambers can provide, the uh, cooperative marketing, advertising um, that, that can be done. Uh, so there's lots of resources for small businesses everywhere. Of course, uh, I encourage, I know you and I work uh, really closely together in promoting Westridge uh, in the West Rogers Park area as a fantastic destination with whether it's for food or for shopping. So uh, as, uh, as our listeners, I certainly uh, invite you to, um, as you make your plans for next week, and visit the area. Uh, but Eden, final, uh, in our final few seconds remaining, how can folks learn more about the businesses and the neighborhood and the Westridge Chamber of Commerce? Please visit our website, www.westridgechamber.org. Follow us on Facebook at Westridge Chamber of Commerce. And you can also follow us on Twitter, Westridge CF. Westridge CFC. Okay, fantastic. Aiden, thanks so much for joining us on Get Down to Business. We'll be sure to have you back on in the future. Uh, well, coming up after the break, it's time for your business tip of the week, and we'll be talking about some tips, advice, and information for business owners and job seekers alike. You don't want to miss it, Chicago. Don't touch that dial. You're listening to Get Down to Business, and we'll be right back. 
Welcome back to Get Down to Business. It's time for your business tip of the week, which can be your daily on the morning show at 7.30 a.m. right here on AM 560, The Answer. I want to talk to you a little bit about your brand. And this really doesn't matter whether you are a small business owner or a job seeker. You have a brand. Uh, I just spent the last segment talking with uh, my buddy Eden from the Westridge Chamber about food. Um, in some of the restaurants in the area. So I'm sure many of our listeners can relate when I mention uh, the experience that I've had uh, while going out to eat in the past. Have you ever walked into a restaurant one time, had a fantastic burger, um, and then uh, you enjoyed the experience so much, you actually brought a business colleague along, and you came back to that restaurant, but uh, unfortunately that burger did not taste as good as the first time. That is an experience of a bad brand. It's an experience of a changed experience, and nobody should ever go through that. Um, I have a friend in the restaurant business, and he told me that 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 is the most important thing when running a food service business. But for many of our listeners, you're not in the business of food service. You're running an accounting firm. You're running a law firm. You're running uh, perhaps a, a sorry shop. It really doesn't matter. Every single time, the experience needs to be the same. The products need, need to be the same, and you need to focus on make sure that you're the quality of your training to your staff, if you're so fortunate to be an employer, or your own experience, the experience that you are providing to your guests, to your customers, is the same. I actually just came back uh, literally just hours ago from a business trip in Seattle, and uh, it's funny because I actually noticed this uh it was quite apparent in some of the uh, restaurants that I visited, the stores that I shopped in, and the hotels that that I paid attention to. Uh, some of the places that I went to were small businesses, and uh, I actually noticed from the last time I was in Seattle, I noticed that the experience was either exactly the same, quite impressive, uh, or completely and totally different. And it was clear that it was different because of the lack of training of staff. Um, I will mention that some of the times the experience was better, some of the times it was worse. Certainly, I want to uh, I want to compliment the places that have made it better. At the same time, it did not feel like a strong brand. I also popped in some of the chains, some of the larger establishments, um, and noticed the same thing. And it got me thinking uh, that when you're running a small business, if you want to maintain consistency and uh, repeat customers, you need to make sure that you're focusing on providing a high level of experience each and every time. It starts from when you open your business. It starts from when you become an employer. It starts from when you're training people in your operation to provide uh, to provide a level of service that you would be proud of um, and a level of service that uh, if you were visiting that business, you would want to come again and uh, and try again and again and again. Uh, that's your business tip of the week, and I would encourage you to try to put that into practice. Um, and as I mentioned, this holds true for job seekers as well. And job seekers, you need to have a brand so people that meet you um, when you're applying for jobs or you're going for those informational interviews that so many recruiters talk so much about, you need to make sure that when somebody says your name, they know exactly who you are exactly what you do and exactly who you are looking to meet. If every time you meet with somebody and you sort of give a different answer, uh, then you are doing something wrong and your brand is going to be diluted and pretty much I could guarantee that you're going to have a hard time finding a job. The truly successful 
folks in career transition that I've seen that have uh, that are getting all the meetings, networking in every uh, possible place and every possible scenario. They're the ones that are meeting up a storm, certainly focused on their time management, for, certainly focused on leveraging their network and scheduling meetings as often as possible. Um, but they are also developing a consistent message, putting out cover letters, putting out resumes that clearly articulate and differentiate themselves from everybody else that's out there on the market. Uh, that's your business tip of the week. Tips for small businesses tips for job seekers hope you find it helpful uh as always i encourage you to get on my website shalomkline.com to download the podcast from this week and get a sneak peek of who's going to be on next week uh, i also encourage you to check out our sponsor at tandem hr your solution center check them out online tandemhr.com give them a call 630-928-0510 what a fantastic lineup of guests check them all out we'll be posting links to their websites on my website to success let's get down to business we'll talk to you next week Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.